0: Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello, and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. Today, as part of our Healthy Lifestyle series in May, we're talking about the power of meditation. Meditation has been used for centuries to calm the mind, improve focus, and heal the body. And now it's a growing trend for people of all ages. So today, we're talking about the many benefits of meditation and how you can get started. Joining us to discuss this are two district medical group providers who practice at Valleywise Health. Dr. Lisa Coburn is a child and adolescent psychiatrist and a certified courtroom meditation instructor. Dr. Mira Mehta is a district medical group psychiatrist who practices with us at ValleyWise Health. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having us, Dr. White.
0: How did you both become interested in the practice of meditation? Dr. Coburn, we can start with you.
2: I've been interested for a long time, um, but it was always hard to get a regular practice going, which is important with meditation. So about four years ago, a friend gave me... um, Dan Harris's book, 100% Happier, where he describes his process of developing a routine of 10 minutes a day, focusing on his breath. So I started doing that and had my friend as a sort of buddy to be accountable with and was able to continue from there. And about a year later, I um, attended a KORU mindfulness training course through Duke University University which has 10 different mindfulness practices for adolescents and young adults and got certified in that training program and have been continuing with it.
0: Wonderful. Dr. Mehta, how did this become an interest in your practice?
1: Yeah, um, I'm really fortunate to have ancestors who had a lot of interest in mindfulness meditation um, at a really young age, I uh, my grandparents exposed me to vipassana meditation, which which is a breath and body based meditation, and taught through ten day silent retreats. And so, at a pretty young age, I got to experience uh, the teachings of vipassana meditation. And throughout my life, have been going to courses and spending you know ten days in retreat and silence to continue to deepen this practice. Um, also very fortunate to have family members who also practice so it's a uh, good accountability and a good way to continue to remember the practices and to have them as part of a kind of community um, family oriented practice i as the years have gone on i i went into yoga teacher training so another way to teach some of the mindfulness and meditation practices through movement um, and love just kind of sharing it wherever it comes up
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you. So I thought, you know, it would be good for us to start with and some basic definitions is, you know, we've talked about, you know, we've heard the word meditation. We've talked about mindful meditation here a little bit in these opening comments. Really help me understand what is meditation.
2: Those are mindfulness and meditations are two words that have become very common. And a lot of people use them interchangeably. What I like to think about is that there's Um, it's a lot like exercise. So meditation is like an exercise routine for your brain where you're becoming more self-aware, focused, able to bounce back from stress. And then mindfulness is like one of the exercise, types of exercise that you have. So the definition of that is sort of being aware in the present moment on purpose and probably most importantly, non-judgmentally. So you're having the, the practice and then the routine to help um, maintain that practice.
0: Dr. Mehta, you talked a little bit around, you know, your ancestors and part of your family that does this. Can you tell us, you know, uh, your understanding of where meditation may have come from and some of the history behind it?
1: Yeah, you know, meditation and yoga, which a lot of people are familiar with. Um, came from the ancient Eastern world um, in the land of you know India and China. And so a lot of the scripts, when you look back um, 5,000 years ago or so, talk about mindfulness, meditation, awareness of the mind and body. And so it has its roots in the Eastern land. And I think some of the roots in the, in the Western world are um, with John Cabot zinn as well, when he started to develop the uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction courses, and it became a little more concrete and accessible to us in the Western world, as well as yoga practice. So I'd say, you know, the, the roots came from the ancient Eastern world and traveled to the Western world, which is now so much more accessible to us in the forms that we know of, MBCT, MBSR, different groups and courses that we have available now.
0: So we've talked a little bit about the meditation and kind of where it comes from. What are some of the benefits that you both have, you know, gained personally or seen in your patients um, that undertake the practice of meditation, such as mood or sleep or stress? Kind of help me, you know, talk about what those benefits might be to someone that may be interested in starting a practice of meditation.
2: Well, I do see a lot of benefits. You know, I teach kids in session different kinds of breathing practices, sometimes body scans, um, and actually schools are teaching a lot of meditation now. So a lot of times kids are learning it at school, but then not necessarily bringing it home. So if you ask them about it, they're then able to teach their parents, potentially their grandparents. I've got kids who are doing it as a family, and. Several of the kids have ADHD, so we've been able to even decrease their medication by increasing their focus with the meditation practice regularly. Certainly sleep, decreased stress. Mindfulness is actually um, being incorporated into several different kinds of therapies that we regularly do. So mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, dialectic behavior therapy. And I know that um, Dr. Meta just talked about the MBSR, which was sort of the first development in the Western world for pain management.
1: So that's very effective there as
2: well.
0: Dr. Meta, any other benefits that you may want to add?
1: Yeah, one of the, the biggest benefits is it helps people feel back in control and empowered about their own ability to help themselves heal and feel better. One of the things that I try to describe to to patients is that it helps increase their capacity for stress. Um, As we know, stress accounts for the basis of a lot of types of illness, both um, mental health challenges and physical health challenges. And so kind of that basis of helping them increase their capacity to deal with stress. Maybe they can deal with three problems in the day before they um, lose their cool with meditation, maybe they can deal with five or seven. And so I try to help people use that as a guide to, to see the benefits, because sometimes it's hard with a practice like this to know where it's really helping them and where the benefits really are. So giving them a framework to be able to use them, um, these skills, and also help using it in practice, one or two minutes at the beginning of a session can go a long way. Um, with trust, openness, being able to describe what they're really going through.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the power of meditation. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. So we've talked a little bit about meditation, but is meditation as you're describing it just relaxing or is it different from relaxing? There's differences
2: in terms of um, relaxation has a goal of just calming the body while and is more passive, whereas meditation is more active. So the process is continuing to, as your mind wanders, bring it back to a point of focus or anchor. So that's an active Activity that you're doing, and while you may feel more relaxed afterwards, that's not necessarily the goal. There isn't a specific goal in mind for the experience.
0: No, and I think that's a great point. You know, you just—it's very intentional. You know, around this, it it really is something that you're—you're—you're taking the time, you're dedicating this to be able to you know gain some of these benefits that we just talked about um, before. You know we've talked again, you know, different ways to do this. And we talked about you being certified Dr. Coburn in core room meditation. Are there other types of meditation there as well?
1: Yeah, I think now, um, the more it's coming to the forefront of our knowledge and becoming more available to people, we're seeing that mindfulness and meditation can be applied in so many different ways. And it's kind of the whole point, right, to be able to translate that practice into your daily world and your life you know so there's walking meditation there's movement meditation there's meditation where you focus more on breath color mantra internal body states and really um it feels at least when i start looking things up that there's more and more ways to meditate to meditate on thoughts concepts words or body states and so what i'd say is whatever calls to somebody Is what they should try. There's no right, wrong, good, or bad type, but more what works for them and what they find benefit from. And, you know, there's always ways to practice it, you know, walking, doing the dishes, doing your notes or work or something like that. Um, There's always an opportunity to stay focused on that internal state while you're doing something else.
0: So as we think about this, and we start to think about developing a meditation, you know, practice to do this. How can people get started if this is something that, you know, they're interested in or feel that they may benefit from? Is there, you know, easy tools? Are there, you know, things that people should start to consider as they're thinking about getting into a meditation practice?
2: I think one thing that you can start to do that really helps with mindfulness is choose one activity a day, um, the same activity that you want to do mindfully. So, you know, brushing your teeth and noticing the taste of the toothpaste and how that feels and smells and, you know, really being very present for one activity a day sort of for a week gives you an experience of what that mindfulness is like um, in a small degree and then there's lots of resources that you can turn to for instance there's um asu has a center for mindfulness compassion and resilience um, they have KORU and other mindfulness classes there as well as information um there's apps like headspace which was you know free during the uh the pandemic for healthcare workers um so there's there's a lot of different resources and um finding, you know, sort of trying several and finding out what works for you, I think, is really important, like Dr. Meadow was saying. Um, and that's one of the reasons I do like Koro is because it exposes you to 10 different practices um, to sort of get a, a variety.
0: When we think about this and we think about that variety and, and getting started around classes and apps um, to do this, as we're thinking about beginning this, is there a best time of the day that individuals should consider meditation, or can it be any time during the day? Dr. Mehta?
1: Yeah, that is such a a great question, and I'm going to use Dr. Coburn's exercise analogy. Do it when you find time and works best for you. Um, You know, some people love a morning meditation because it kind of helps them start the day on um, with that intention and that focus. And some people like to end their day with it. Um, And there's people who meditate morning and evening and in the middle of the day. So um, to answer your question, there's no best time. Best time is when someone's willing to do it and can set the time aside and commitment to doing it.
0: How long should each meditation session last? Is that variable too much to your exercise analogy there? You know, we hear different recommendations around that. Are there recommended best practices around how long a meditation session should last?
2: I think it is very similar to the exercise, um, analogy. Again, you want to start with something that's, that's possible for you. So, um, You know, I, I know someone who works actually with groups of preschoolers who has a meditation component and they do, you know, two minutes (laughs) and that's great for them. Um, So, you know, with KORU, what they recommend starting out with is, is also 10 minutes a day, um, sort of making that commitment. And I think that's a a nice commitment to start out with because most people can do that. And yet, it's a little challenging in the very beginning, more challenging than you'd imagine. So um, it, it is like you you want to start sort of slow, be consistent. That's really important. If you can do it daily, that's that's great, and then um, sort of slowly increase the amount of time. And and the more practice you have, the more benefits that you'll get out of it. The um, there's studies looking at monks who have, you know, 10,000, 20,000 hours of meditation, and there's significant differences in their, uh, their state presentations when they've done research with them.
0: Psychiatrists Dr. Lisa Coburn and Dr. Mirameda are answering your top questions about meditation. At Valleywise Health, our goal is to help you live your healthiest, happiest life. As part of that, we're excited to be opening new community health centers across Maricopa County to bring exceptional health care right to your neighborhood. In fact, we've recently started offering a number of specialty health care services at our brand new ValleyWise Health Comprehensive Health Center in Peoria, located near Grand Avenue and Cotton Crossing. You can receive primary care for the whole family, as well as dentistry, sports medicine, OB-GYN services, and much more. Learn more at Valleywise Health org. You know we've talked in a little bit about this and we've talked about making the commitment. In your practices, what have your patients told you have been the most challenging piece about meditation?
1: One of, one of the most challenging things they bring up is just being able to feel the benefits of it. And what is it really doing for me? Um, a lot of the teens that I've worked with on um, breathing exercises, uh, I think just helping educate them about what this is supposed to be doing and what it's supposed to feel like. Because um, I think what happens, people watch people meditating or they have an idea of what it looks like and it looks so peaceful and calm. Um, but really that internal state is being managed by that person and they're, they're working to manage their thoughts and feelings. Um, so really finding the, a way to educate them on what to expect with their practice, that their mind will drift, um, that the average mind drifts, you know, at least at least seven to, uh, times in a minute, um, that they're not doing it wrong if that happens, that that's the natural state of the mind. So helping them kind of normalize that the human mind is a monkey mind, and that just continuing to stick to the practice, continuing to be consistent is really where the benefit is.
0: You brought up a wonderful point, you know, in that and, you know, one that I know I struggle with is a as a, you know, doing meditation is those distractive thoughts, you know, as you're doing that, how those how your mind wanders as you're just taking that time, you know, to be alone and be present, you know, in those particular moments as you enter these practices. How do you coach people through being able to deal with some of those distractive thoughts um, during these types of practices?
2: Well, I think letting them know that this is, I mean, that is the work of meditation. So that having your mind drift off, that that's what you want to happen because the work is bringing the mind back. And so it's sort of like doing a rep of exercise, Every time you do that, you're making your brain stronger and more focused. So it's it's part of of the meditation process. And it's important not to judge yourself because this happens to everybody. Um, I I think that those are the the important points. This this is what it is. It may look calm on the outside, but that's not what's happening inside, um, especially for beginning meditators
0: in order to help with that you know oftentimes you hear or read that individuals should put on some calming music or some other thing in the environment to help with that meditation practice is that something that's required something that's discouraged kind of your thoughts about using music during meditation
1: you know that's a that's a great question and it's pretty variable depending on who guides you through meditation Um, practices or what sort of meditation you're learning there can be music or not Um, again it's there's not a a right wrong um, type of answer for using music sometimes it can help someone uh, focus um, and help them feel more relaxed if they are having uh, trouble getting into that state so really uh, following the guidance of a a mentor teacher who's guiding you through meditation is probably the most important uh, piece to that
0: you know we've talked a lot about this and both of you in your clinical practice have alluded to this is this something that you actively prescribe or you know teach in your in your practices for your patients as part of their treatment
2: it's something that I, I talk to kids about, and I will teach them various practices, breathing practices, um, body focusing practices. Um, I, I don't sort of teach them a whole um, meditation program, but I'll teach them pieces and then also talk with them about it, especially since so many kids now are getting this exposure in school. Um, so that's a, a very helpful coping strategy that they can use. Um, and if they have those resources, we can um, utilize them in, in our
0: treatment. I certainly see, you know, as it being a wonderful uh, addition to what we're able to do for our patients and helping them be able to, you know, focus their their efforts and on their bodies as well as they can through, you know, all of the challenges that people are facing, you know, on a daily basis, with uh, especially now in, in this new world that we're living in today around that. Um, as we kind of closing here, um, I like to ask, what are three things that people can do to take action on the information that we've talked about today um, and influence their lives around that? Dr. Meadow, let's start with you. What are some three things that we could take away from our discussion today?
1: Yeah, I'd say if you know if any of this resonated with you, um, it's a chance that you likely are ready to integrate mindfulness and meditation into your life. So just reflecting and asking yourself that question, does this resonate with me? Am I ready to start there? Um, One of of my favorite resources I like to share share with patients is uh, an MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, um, free course online. And it kind of guides someone through some of the background, education, practices, um, lots of the research and evidence, um, and can kind of guide someone through an eight-week program. So Palouse Mindfulness is the name of that. And I'd say jump on there, peruse around, see if it's something that resonates with you and something you can integrate into your life.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Uh, Dr. Coburn. Same question. What are three kind of takeaways that we can leave our listeners with today that might help them be um, uh, engaging into a practice of meditation?
2: Well, I think... um, You know, looking at any of these resources that we've talked about, um, trying to find something that does speak to you, that um, works with where you're at um, is important. If you can do one activity a day mindfully, like I was talking about, that's always helpful, again, to sort of get that experiential idea of what that um, feels like. And if you want to do more of that, from my personal experience i think it's always helpful to have someone um that you can be accountable to who also wants to move forward um so if you can get a a, medica- a meditation buddy and you can um read about meditation maybe join a course together i think that's really helpful
0: yeah i think just like you know, if we've made the analogy so many times here in in, in our discussion really having that ability to um Uh, treat this as we think about our whole body wellness and around exercise. If we think about that and we think about the accountability that we often will often get when we exercise with one another um, or in a group, you know, around this and finding somebody else to be a partner with is truly beneficial to help us sustain, you know, the challenges that we've talked about, about starting this particular practice. I want to thank both Dr. Lisa Coburn and Dr. Mira Mehta for your time today and joining us. As you remember, uh, they are part of our district medical group practice at ValleyWise Health, certainly uh, available to discuss this further if necessary. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can join us anytime on our podcast at valleywisehealth.org. Thank you both again and have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the health care providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.